During the break, I've been watching the combine. Some of the quarterbacks and wide receivers have been running their 40s. And they've been showing crowd shots, which I don't know why. Free but tickets, baby. Free tickets. There's there's a lot of people at this thing as Lucas Oil, but they've been showing kids like next to their dads. You can just tell like the dads are like, well, don't ever say don't take you to nothing. <laughs> Here we are. They all got that ear thing in where, uh-huh. so they can listen to the broadcasters and they're showing the combine on the like the big screen and all that. Oh, man, come on. It appears that Skylar Thompson, he is not in this group. There have been a couple of uh, quarterbacks that have run their 40. Uh, for instance, uh, Dustin Crum from Kent State, a 474. Uh, Jack Cohn from Notre Dame, a 487. Is this like a in uh, alphabetical order? Like, is this Jack the way to do Cohn, it? who the I'll heck? be honest with you. I don't. Uh, I do not pay attention to the combine unless there's a cat involved. Yes, it's alphabetical order through the so, first groupings. Yeah. So what you're telling us, Troy, you'll be in bed by the time Skyler runs the 40. That's probably about right, yeah. Because they'll wrap up at 10, and this is well, a seven-hour deal. I, I just got to say, I, I mean, I will, too. <laughs> I will, too, also be in bed um, with the baby in the morning show. I, ain't, I mean, Troy probably goes to bed later than I do. I'll be honest. Uh, he, he has been known to skip second halves of basketball games, so I don't know. Depends. Depends. So average. All right, here we go. Right now. Yeah. Troy, when's your bedtime? Uh, usually somewhere on average between eight and nine. Gross. David G. I- anywhere on average between eight, eight and nine. nine. <laughs> See, there you go. Sage. Welcome to morning. My bedtime's Jill. normally around ten, actually. Oh, okay. But she also doesn't have to be up at four thirty or five o'clock in the morning. That's true. So when I was doing the morning show, I. I mean, I I lived dangerously, like midnight. You you did, yes. But I also yes. got to take a nap. That's true. In the afternoons, you would go. Yeah, and you were the show. living for that nap. Remember, oh, absolutely. You, you were like, dude, I got. I, I I would literally do four hour nap, like yeah. four hour nap at oh, night, my. four hour nap in the afternoon. No yeah. joke. No, yeah, no, no joke. It's a rough like, life. I can't do because th- you'd be like, hey, Mitch, can you voice this? And he'd be like, I will as soon as I get back. I'm out of here. I'm not doing none of that. I'm still like. <laughs> Mid nine ish. Yeah, it depends if I get going on the gaming. Like yeah. I will oh. stay up too late. Oh, like that, and that's an issue of mine. Like I am a night owl. I have to make sure that I'm at least somewhat conscious and aware of things. If the baby's having a tough night sleeping, because my wife will say, "Hey, can you go check it out?" And so I'll I'll try to stay like somewhat awake. But sometimes eight thirty, boom, I'm out like that baby. I'm. A, oh. And the wife's like, good that's, lord. That's what your baby sounds like, snoring. <laughs> sometimes she does. She does saw some logs. Sometimes shout out to Sophia. Yeah, she. Yeah, man. Sometimes she gets after it, and other times she's. Uh, <laughs> it's tough. Ugh. We're pleased to be joined via Zoom. By the way, I'm Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, David Hello. G, Sage Williams. I'm yes. terrible sometimes about telling people our names. You're good. You're good. Uh anyway, we're with uh, Derek Young from KC Online via Zoom. Derek, when is your bedtime? Uh, I would say midnight. Damn, you young. Now, it, what keeps you up though? Like, what keeps you from going to bed t- at ten o'clock? Is it work? Is it TV? What is it? Uh, probably a combination of the two. Uh, probably simultaneously. Uh, either at this stage of the calendar, it's often college basketball or a mm. TV show that I'm binging. Now, did you ever run the forty back in the day? Like high school, ever do it? No, I didn't, and I would probably, I mean, especially now, I would pull a hamstring if I tried. <laughs> See, I, I obviously, I, I played football back in the day, so we always did, like, a, our own personal combine. We, you know, broad jump, 
vertical, 40, all that stuff. And then we do like a conditioning drill. Like if you pass this conditioning drill, then you can move on to practice. And that wasn't an issue, but my four, I think I topped out at like 4.9 or something like that. I had little legs that can really go. Churning like Barry Sanders. But also back in the day, I also I, – I would eat whatever I want. I didn't know what <laughs> dieting meant. And uh, so I had a little extra weight that would slow me down a little bit. That dra- would drag me down on like my 100-yard dash when I got to – 100-meter dash when I got to track and field. Uh, where Derek Young from Case Online, D.Y., I suppose we can get into a little bit of basketball talk as uh, – well, actually, I need to ask you the $64,000 question. It was brought up to the players after the Texas Tech game. Like, what's the crazier environment? Is it uh, USA or is it Allen Fieldhouse – Dy, you were uh, you were in Lubbock a few days ago. Yeah. What would be your uh, what's your judgment? I've been to every single Big Ten venue, basketball venue, and I've been to every single Big Twelve basketball venue aside from West Virginia. Uh, okay, real quick, pause right there. Pause right there because we're going to work in the Big Ten here. First of all, tell us United Supermarkets Arena versus Allen Fieldhouse, but also could you give us like a top five? of what you would say is like the hostile environments, Big Ten and Big 12. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, I've visited them all, Big Ten, Big 12, besides West Virginia, and I would say Texas Tech's United Supermarkets Arena was probably the craziest environment I've ever been to for a game um, when they hosted Kansas State for senior night. So I would take Texas Tech. Um, When I'm putting together a top five that I've been to, because I'll say that, um, Texas Tech's going to be in there. Kansas, Allen Fieldhouse is going to be in there. The Breslin Center at Michigan State would be in there. Uh, Mackey Arena at Purdue would be there. And uh, since I've been to Chapel Hill, I would say North Carolina's would be in my top five that I've been to. But if, if I do a top five with the Big Ten and Big 12, if I had to do a fifth, it's probably Assembly Hall in Bloomington. Okay. Now, when it comes to media accommodations from yeah. where you sit, the food, access, what, what would be at the top of your list? You know, I, I do kind of like the courtside scene that you get at Hilton Coliseum, I'll be honest. I think that's kind of a, a neat arrangement. Um, I covered Iowa, and they have a really good seating as well, and and pretty good accommodations. The only thing is they're, they don't really provide a media meal, not that I absolutely have to have one. They just give you a uh, like a certain amount of money for a voucher to the concession stands is what they do. Yeah. In terms of probably just the facilities and the whole setup, I, I just kind of like football. Baylor really knocks it out of the park when it comes to basketball too. With Derek Young from KCN Online, follow Matt D. Young Rivals on Twitter, also KCNOnline.com, because you know over that KSO they are pumping out the K-State content. Now, this question is also coming from what happened at what I call USA, United Supermarkets Arena, uh, where Cats lost by 5-0 to Tech, uh, which was a close game. I mean, valiant effort by Bruce Weber's Cats, but uh, at the end of the press conference, Bruce Weber brought up that he was hoping the media would say something about the officiating because he's not allowed to. So now, D.Y., and I I could say something as well, but I'll give you the floor first on if you have any comments about the way, certainly at the end, that the way the game was officiated. The last few games, I would have to say the Big 12 officials have shown to be struggling quite a bit. I'm not saying that any one team is getting robbed more than the other. I think 
I think the missed calls have probably been appropriated pretty evenly when it's all said and done. The problem is that there's been a high quantity of them, in my opinion. Uh, and unfortunately, I think they missed two at the end that seemed to be difference makers just because of when they happened. And, and obviously, from the Kansas State angle, you, you become the victim of a timely bad call. And, and Nigel definitely appeared to get bumped, but I would say the more blatantly missed call was the, the fact that they called a foul on Mike McGurl. Because, um, I mean, that really puts Kansas State in position to do a whole lot more than they were able to at the end of the game if that offensive rebound is permitted. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the Mike McGurl call where it's – to me, I, I was begging for a replay. We never got the replay from ESPN. And it, watching it from a hotel room in Los Angeles, California, USA – uh, right after I got a sweet tan, that it appeared that Mike McGurl got to that ball first. I was like, no doubt about it. Where's this replay? I want the proof. And it was like it was the ESPN home crew didn't want to give away the evidence that the the officials made a bad call, and it just drove me nuts. That actually might be the call that has driven me nuts the most because you're right, D.Y. I mean, K-State was knocking the door of potentially pulling off a, a big upset on the road against a top 25 opponent sweeping the Texas Tech Red Raiders. And that would have been an awesome win. I don't know about when it comes to a stock and where you'd be at at that point for an NCAA tournament. I mean, there's no doubt about it. That's all done and gone with now, unless they win the tournament. But um, that, yeah, that call, watching it live, the whole um, Nigel Pack thing, like it didn't appear that he had got fouled, at least from that angle, but the replay definitely showed it. Um, But yeah, I, I mean, we talking to Troy. I mean, what was it last week or two weeks ago? You, Troy brought up the the traveling and about how with mm-hmm. officiating how traveling has been a factor where referees are not getting proper rest. I mean, I don't know. I don't know all about that. I know they travel a ton. For John Higgins is one of them. Troy and was right there. And and I had to chuckle because Kellis Robinette's uh, post the next day on Twitter was that that he lost a potential upgrade seat on the flight because the. Big 12 refs were the first three on the upgrade list. John Higgins being one of them, of course, so he needed the space for his hair product my, was well, my nobody... thought. But, uh, yeah, but, but exactly. I mean, where, where were they the night before? Well, they weren't in Lubbock. We know that much. You know, so they were working the night before, probably working the night after. It's, it's a crazy schedule that many of these officials are keeping at this point because they know that, uh, that they can – go from game to game, location to location, and pick up that check, and they're not being held to a lot of account in terms of their own rest. Yeah, and, and everything's taken care of, like the flights, yeah. the food. Yeah, everything is uh, is, is paid for uh, when it comes to uh, accommodating them. Derek Young from KSET Online is with us. Um, well, no, let's go ahead and take a break. Let's go ahead and take our first break because when we come back, I do want to get on the possibility of KSA playing in the IT. It might not actually be a lock, as many think. Uh, also, a possibility of playing an extra game before the Big 12 tournament. That's up next with Derek Young here on The Game. We continue on with the game on News Radio KMAN. I'm Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, David G, and Sage Williams is with us today. We did not play Do They Know It? No. Uh, we actually plan to do that tomorrow. Well, I cleaned up the last time we played. I really ran the table. Did you guys play while I was gone? Uh huh. We did. And you won? Yeah. A three, it was a three way uh, terror match. Oh, it was like, like a triple threat? Yeah. Uh huh. Triple threat match. 
And I sp- um yeah, I was trying to get DY in it. I was trying to get uh, Coach Jeff Mitty. I was trying to get a lot of different people in it, and they they uh, everyone else was like, hell no. <laughs> like, what are you serious? No, S- shut up. But these two tried to take me on, and guess what? I did it. Oh, so it was Troy and Sage against uh-huh. you. I crushed them. Oh, no. Sage Sage says you're full of crap. Oh, I destroyed. Mm-hmm. Murdered. What was the final score, Sage? What was it, like 6-2-1? Yeah. Okay, yeah, hey, that is a hey, butt kicking. Hey, yeah. I mean, that hey, is uh, a good old-fashioned butt kicking. Wow. I mean, the, the people on the – people were calling and like, DG, don't hurt them, man. Take it easy on these guys. And I go, mercy. Yeah, I go, no. No. The rules, the mercy rule was not put in place. No running <laughs> clock in the fourth quarter. Don't no. run them. No. I took a timeout with 30 seconds ago. Put go. the subs in. Yeah. <laughs> that was fun. We're back with Derek Young from K-State Online. So it was uh, a couple of days ago, D.Y., where uh, K-State media was, including yourself, starting to tweet out that there's a possibility that K-State men's basketball might play an extra game that would take place after um, the Oklahoma game, which is Saturday, and that is the, the, the scheduled game, the last scheduled game of the regular season. Is that still the case, D.Y.? Because K-State has not yet announced a game. Yeah, I, I think so. I think it'll probably be contingent on Kansas State winning Saturday against Oklahoma, but if they were to do that, um, they're probably well in the NIT conversation, I would think, at that point. If they lose it, then obviously they may not be, and then that game would, would probably be – Null and void if they were to play it at that point. And then you also lose a day of rest because if you lose Saturday, you're, you're likely playing on Wednesday instead of Thursday. So I think contingent and assuming that they win on Saturday at home on senior day against Oklahoma, they'll be playing Northern Illinois Monday evening at 7 o'clock. Now, I was trying to look up like NIT bracketology with which if you start looking that up you get into some weird websites like there's a weird a weird a weird website called like barking crow or something like that it was super weird um but hey they i i just typed in nit bracketology and that was the first thing that popped up so i guess people go here and check it out and uh k-state's name does not appear anywhere uh, I looked up at a, a multiple locations, and it, it, which surprises me that Casey will be left out because it's no longer the case where the NIT does not allow you in if you have a losing record. That you you can get in now with a losing record. That changed a handful of years ago. So you you feel like DY this is solely on this is NIT purposes uh, that this extra game would be played. There's no extra reasons. I mean, there it might be a combination. I, I, not not that it's the sole reason, but I think Bruce Weber's trek to 500 wins perhaps could okay. play a role, at least at least for him. Uh, the players weren't even aware of that, so yeah, I can't say that everyone has that in mind. But I, I would think we would be remiss not to at least consider that you know angle being playing a factor at all. But I do think when it comes down to it, it I, I think the most likely reasons. Um, playing the largest roles are, you know, bolstering an NIT resume and and playing as, as many games as you, you can with what you have left just because time's running out for for some of those players, obviously like Mike McGraw and Mark Smith and, and perhaps even Bruce Weber in Manhattan. It was Mike McGraw earlier today, as a matter of fact, he, with a 
press conference with the media over the Zoom, he mentioned that his favorite moment as a cat was beating Kentucky in the uh, NCAA tournament, the Sweet 16, when he was a freshman. I was like, hell yeah, that was a great moment. But at the same time, I kind of felt bad for him because it's like things peaked when he was a freshman. Although he went on the next year and won a, yeah, a Big 12 I, championship. I, I, can, I can think of about four moments that probably – would stick out if I were Mike McGraw, that would stick out. Obviously, beating Kentucky in the Sweet 16 is definitely one of those moments and got you to the Elite Eight. And then, you know, knocking off Oklahoma the following year to clinch a Big 12 championship, I'm sure would come to mind. Also, beating Kansas that season at home would come to mind. And then, specifically for McGurl, and, and I think he touched on it a little bit today as well. I think that opening round win over Creighton, I believe that it was, should probably stick out for him. He had 17 points off the bench when he was kind of an afterthought and not, not playing considerable minutes that year. And all of a sudden, he, you know, he's thrusted into action and scored 17 in an NCAA tournament. Um, I believe that was his freshman year. Well, I got to say, one of my personal favorite Mike McGurl moments was last year, hitting those three straight threes against Oklahoma that upset, what, top 10 Oklahoma team yeah. in – Basically into yeah. Lon Kruger's career right oh, there. That was awesome. Yeah, they they loved they loved beating Lon Kruger at home in Manhattan. They did that about every year. Yeah, uh, what nine or ten in a row, home home wins against Lon Kruger and the Oklahoma Sooners. It didn't matter if they were unranked or the number one team in the country when they had was a Buddy Healed that came in here as the number one team in the country and lost. They lost with uh, Trey Young too, I think. Yeah, and Trey That's Young. Right. That's right. Yeah, and uh, I'll never forget that one game. It was a Saturday game, and I think it was when. It was Buddy Heald who was with the team. And it was like right towards the end of the game. Uh, I can't remember who it was for Oklahoma, but they kicked the basketball. <laughs> it was like towards the end of the game, and they, they knew it was kind of over at that point, but there's like a little over a minute to go. And one of the Oklahoma players drop kicked the basketball <laughs> across the floor. Like it didn't like launch it, but it like skipped across the floor. I couldn't believe that. Wow. Right in front of me, I was like, wow, what a Ooh. moment. And like the place was <laughs> packed. And Oklahoma was number one that uh, that was a uh, that was a really fun that's an underrated moment yeah. in uh, in K State history. We'll, we'll find we'll find out soon if it was an Oklahoma thing or just a Lon Kruger thing when Porter Moser makes his first <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, that that you go right into my next question, Dy, <laughs> and that is, I mean, you kind of basically answered it with the anticipation on if the uh, the curse still exists for Oklahoma when they come into Manhattan as the uh, the road team in men's basketball. Um, but this is also a team that, you know, they're missing, what, three players was Oklahoma when they played K-State in Norman to open up Big 12 play. Now they, they close it. Yeah, they were down. They were without the Groves twins mm-hmm. when they played in Norman. Um, Tanner and Jacob Groves. Kansas State was without Marquise Noel, I believe. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I think K-State was missing somebody, right? It wasn't – Nigel Pack, he played, right? He, he wasn't missing that game? Yeah, Nigel Pack missed the Marquette game, I know, okay. but I think it was Noel that missed the Oklahoma game. Yeah, my memory's mush. Too many concussions, you know what I mean? <laughs> but um, um, I, I guess I, I'll get your thoughts on – in this the last basketball question I have for you, D.Y., your thoughts on if K-State can, in a way, salvage the uh, the stretch, this final stretch of games where they've lost, what, four in a row now? As they yeah. play Oklahoma, can the Cats? You, you think they can get it done? What's your prediction? Yeah, I, I think they can win. Obviously, I, I've taken them to win a few times, turn this losing streak, yep. and it just hasn't, t- hasn't turned out correctly. I'm not sure a win salvages them much of anything, if we're being quite honest, but um, definitely a winnable game. And you'd think that they'd have to stem the tide at some point. Why not do it on senior day? I mean, let's be honest. Oklahoma is still, you know, playing for something. I think they, they are still on 
most of the bubbles, but they are a team that's been pretty lackluster for much of the year too. I'm not sure there's a, a wide difference, at least at this point, um, between the Sooners and Wildcats. With Derek Young from KSN Online, go to KSNOnline.com, get yourself an account, go talk to the folks on the forums, and also uh, get up to date on what's going on with KSN Athletics, including D.Y., uh, earlier today, heard about a commitment for the 2022 class as a preferred walk-on in Gavin Myers, who's a three-star linebacker from Hay. So, hey, the Cats pick up a Kansas nice. kid. But to yeah. you, like, how big of a get is this, especially as a preferred walk-on? Uh, the fact that you put that that qualifier on it, being a preferred walk-on, this is one of the better ones that you can have. Reminds me of, you know, them also uh, having Alex Key, the offensive lineman from Derby, as a walk-on that, that's – you know, pretty good in his own right that, that, you know, maybe in other years would be a scholarship worthy um, talent as well. So, I mean, th- this is one of their better walk-on classes in quite some time. You know, I mean, Gavin Myers at one point, he had, you know, actionable scholarship offers. Now those kind of dissipated a little bit and even one from Kansas state at one time. So, but this isn't one. So he is someone that a lot of teams, and a lot of services felt like was a scholarship worthy talent at one point, even if it didn't finish that way. So a really good pickup um, just in that, right, when you when you view it from that lens. And and I wanted to touch on one more thing when it comes to basketball because we mm-hmm. probably should have mentioned it, um, or I should have mentioned it, I should say, is that it's kind of an important game when it comes to seeding for the Big 12 tournament on Saturday because of Iowa State losing last night in pretty laughable fashion. They scored 36 total points. <laughs> when he lost to Oklahoma State. Iowa State plays Baylor, which is, might be the best team in the Big 12 right now. If Iowa State loses to Baylor on Saturday and Kansas State beats Oklahoma, Kansas State goes from, what well, I think they are the eight seed right now or seven seed. They bump all the way up to six because they would own the tiebreaker with the Cyclones. Why is that significant? If you get into that sixth spot, if you're Kansas State, you probably feel, about, feel pretty comfortable that you're going to miss Baylor and Kansas and not have to play them in your first game, which I think – it's pretty vital because Kansas State hasn't had any luck against those teams in quite some time. And they've had more luck against Texas Tech, which would be the likely opponent if they are the sixth seed. I mean, they beat Texas Tech this season. D.Y., you brought up a good point there because I keep forgetting that Oklahoma State is not eligible for postseason play. That includes the Big 12 tournament. And as it right. stands right now, that 8-9 matchup, which would be the only day one game, that's 6 o'clock on what Wednesday, it would be yep. K-State and West Virginia. And so you're right. If K-State can beat Oklahoma, I think that actually might be enough because both Oklahoma and K-State are 6-11 and in the Big 12. Yeah, so that Oklahoma would take K-State. West Virginia. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so K-State would jump Oklahoma into the seven spot. But they would what, jump, jump to six if Iowa State loses to Baylor. Yeah, so K-State does have an opportunity to miss the first day, but at the same time, if you get that seven seed – uh, you might be playing the Baylor Bears, which is a horrible matchup. It's the or worst KU. matchup you could face. It could still be KU. Well, actually, yeah, Baylor does have a half-game lead over Kansas right now. How about that? Um, KU, uh, boy, losing to TCU on the road. Oosh. Well, I remember the last time that happened. They play again tonight. KU does? K- KU yep. and TCU, TCU play again. Two oh, that's right. Two I, f- I forgot they had to postpone. Oh. I forgot about that. So, uh, look out. Horn Frogs ah. looking to upset the Hawks. They're now in Fieldhouse. <laughs> D.Y., I do have one more question for you. It's just about the details of what's coming up on Saturday for K-State football when they host Junior Day. Just exactly if you give us the details on what exactly is going to take place. Yeah, just a lot of, of, of 
2023 visitors and some really talented ones that they've already offered and and are looking to close on. Not that they would do it, you know, on Saturday, but they're in the game for Ace and Newsom is a pretty well thought of three star linebacker from Iowa that'll be there. Um, a few defensive prospects from Texas that they really like um, that have already been offered will be there. Dylan Brown Turner, who's who might be a linebacker or a safety that kind of hybrid. Uh, defender, uh, defensive lineman DK Kalu. His father played in the NFL, I believe, with the Houston Texans. He'll be on campus. He's already visited before, so it'll be a second trip. And they're kind of locking horns with Baylor um, for his services. And then Terrence Green, um, I think a four-star defensive lineman out of Texas, actually will also be on campus. So it's it's a pretty big visit to begin the cycle almost is what I will say. March is going to be a huge month for Kansas State and for a lot of teams on the recruiting trail, the dead period's over. So they're starting to have some of the bigger visit weekends of the cycle this month. Derek Young, I appreciate it. And I'll give you a heads up. The next time we talk, I might be asking Ashley to join me live from the Big 12 tournament. We'll see how it goes. Uh, but until now, uh, until then, I should say, D.Y., I appreciate your time and we'll talk to you next week. I'll see you. That's Derek Young from KCN Online. Go to KCNOnline.com. Get yourself that subscription. Keep up with what's going on, not only on the surface with KCN Athletics, a little behind-the-scenes action as well. We'll take a timeout. Our number one song of the day is up next. Like I always say, it's good for the geese. It's always good for the gander. All right, so this is playing out exactly how I thought it would because when I put this all together, I was not jazzed about it, but I knew Troy would like this song. It's from his era. It's his child. Like, this is what he listened to in high school. It's funky. For those that don't know. This, you know. Sure. That, that picture. Here we go. Ooh. Let me love you Oh man, Troy is like killing We're getting the real right Troy. Now. Yeah, we're he's really dancing. Killing. We're working on the Twitch stream, aren't we? <laughs> Troy, if this if this was like a wedding, would you be out there? Oh yeah, yeah. But you know, like let, let's be perfectly honest. It's a matter of having fun and yeah. enjoying yourself. Absolutely. And absolute. That is absolutely right. See, yeah. yeah. The last wedding I DJed, nobody danced the whole night. Oh, I was playing killer music. Sucks. I played exactly the music people wanted to hear. That sucks. And like, just it just not it just wasn't that type of crowd though. Right. Like I knew the tra- I, crowd. I guess tell like they weren't gonna get out there and, and jam. Uh, so I tried mixing up. I did a whole bunch of things. Nobody just was really that interested in dancing. They just wanted to go drink mm-hmm. and get hammered. Mm-hmm. And it still wouldn't get you know. You, I, you can guess the kind of people I was talking about there. But <laughs> I told people at my wedding reception like the drinks are free. Everything's awesome, but you have to dance to one song, or I'll kick you out of here. Never talk to you ever again. I don't care. And it worked. We had people dancing all over the place. It was awesome. Well, for those that don't know, from 1985, Five. Oh Sheila by Ready for the World. Whoa. One week at number one. They're from Flint, Michigan. So another Flint, Michigan folk. Right on. Uh, American R&B group. Uh, pop soul dance was also what they were known for in the mid to late 80s um, and after this it didn't go well for them at all um, but you know what they'd still been performing until right up before the pandemic six studio albums three top 40 hits only number one this is on the heels of Prince of course exploding on the scene with Purple Rain and really speaks to the era and what R&B was 
transforming into because of what Prince was leading the charge with. Well, it didn't also help Ready for the World that they sound a lot like Prince. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) A lot. And, you know, just after this, just a few uh, years, we get Eddie Murphy, Party All the Time, which didn't hit number one. By the way, remember that came close cover band Fast Times I was telling you about? They did a little Prince as well that night. Smart. These guys are good. Let's go crazy. Ooh. I shared a... uh, a tweet earlier today, by the way, that was uh, someone had done a multiple artist review in, I think 85 is what it was, but they got all five seriously, horrendously wrong. It's a beautiful newspaper clipping because they bashed Madonna. They bashed Prince. They bashed Elton John in it. They, they went like 0 for 5 ah. on their views. It was beautiful. Oh, so find that tweet. Uh, we've kind of gone over exactly what I was going to talk about. There's a couple more things here. Uh, so, party all the time, 1985. Ah, 85. There was a uh, there was a rumor that this song was about Sheila, who would be the protege of Prince, Prince at the time. But the lead singer Melvin Riley, he was working out a song in his basement. He had it all down. He just needed a catchy name to go with it. He ran through a lot of names. There was Lisa was a popular one, and, the, and, and then Sheila came up. Uh, in his mind, he's like, all right, we're just going with Sheila. Uh, and then the name was simply made up. Riley admitted that instead of making up stories like Tommy Two-Tone and Jenny, <laughs> uh, this is just this was just really random. Just needed a, a name that sounded good with the song. I like that. Also, you might notice as well, Melvin also mentioned in an, art, in an interview that he likes to sing with a British ac- accent, even though he's not British. He just thinks it sounds a lot better than an American accent. Which <laughs> Really? The thing is, like when I hear British people sing, sometimes it sounds like they're singing just like an American. Uh huh. And sometimes yeah. Americans sound like British people. Like it just—it's kind of weird how That's that works weird. sometimes. That is. Weird. Uh, but other than that, Ready for the World is like one of the most boring groups I've ever heard of. <laughs> they're uh, even though they technically had three hits, they should be no more than a one-hit wonder. The timing was just poor. Um, there's nothing about this group that interests me whatsoever. I did a lot of interest. I was like, or like I did a lot of um, research to try to figure out what's interesting about this group. There's nothing. I, can I? Nothing so interesting about them. It's just like when we do a song of the day, and it's from the '50s, and it's Little Dario and the Smash Babies. Well, yeah, because back then, they, like all these guys, they had to get like permission from the mafia right, to release like their music. That, like you know, the, like the like, song sucks, but they're like, you know, what happened was a Little Dario's cousin had to go shoot a guy to get the rights. And then, what do you know? His cousin was friends with Lou Gehrig, of all people. You know what I mean? There's always some crazy connection to something. These poor guys, in the 80s, it's like, they had a smash hit, and then they went home, and they went to bed. It's like they went and did Jazzercise one day, and like, this is the people work out to. We need a workout song. And they go, okay, I got you. And some cokeheads sitting in the main office yes. at Warner Brothers or whatever. Yeah. Rick mm-hmm. James is in the studio like, yep, this is it. Yep, exactly. It. You guys you guys are going to be history in the making, baby. They're never going to forget about you. Yeah, every CD that Ready for the World sold this time of uh, year it came with a gram. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's the way Very you got through it. It was the 80s, my man. It was the 80s in the music biz. Troy, when you were at a party back then, like, did you ever see a little bit of the no. booger sugar flying around? No, but that's because 
you know, where in the heck were we going to come up with booger sugar uh, in Circleville, Kansas? <laughs> I mean, you never know. Hey, you wait, never know. When you were at a party, did you ever see a uh, keyboard tie ever? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no illicit drugs, but bad 80s wardrobe? Luckily, yeah. that wasn't my tie, but... <laughs> It wouldn't have been something I would have put past myself just for the humor aspect of it. Keyboard, tie, and then you got the sports jacket with the sleeves pulled up, and it's kind of like charcoal gray. Never did that. Thank oh, oh, man. So Troy's not the stereotypical uh, 80s guy. It wasn't drugs. They're trying to just get beer. Pretty much. And they're like, I had to go oh, talk to the guy at the co-op, say, hey, can you go buy me a beer this like, Friday? Yeah. <laughs> Come on down, man. Just share with me. He's like, do you mind sweeping the floor? It it still amazes me how much beer we got and uh, wound up with at pasture parties. The amount of alcohol that... mm, Anyway. See, that's the thing. Oh, Sage, you can kill it. We get it. Pasture parties were a thing. It's been a thing forever. Every kid in Kansas knows a pasture party. Because, I mean, that's where some of my funnest times. Going out, getting... All the fellas and gals together and going out for a pasture party. And they go, we got to get out of here. The guy's coming right now. We got to go. Oh, I loved it. Little did I know that I would learn the lesson of that even even a 1979 Buick backseat is rough to try to sleep in. <laughs> that even after a night of a few beers. Correct. Oh, God. Oh. What about you? You got pasture I party? I went to guy? a... a a couple, not many. Uh-huh. Um, some of my best friends actually didn't like go to Clay Center. I met them through friends uh, at, at other schools. I'd like just go to their. I, I'd gone to the, a few of them like that were put on by kids from Clay Center. I honestly like I had a much better time at those other parties ah. from from in other towns. Like the ones in Clay Center, they just weren't that fun to me. Right, right. Um, maybe it was just the crowd. Like uh-huh. it just wasn't my kind of crowd. But, uh, man, I used to go to some parties in Clyde, Kansas. Damn. Those were fun and would get a little out of hand. Yeah, boy. And there was always more girls at those parties Ooh. than the ones in Clay Center. And Yeah. yeah it was uh, – those were good times. Man, they're like, who's this guy from Clay Center? He's from Clay Center. What are you doing here? You never you ever get any of that? No, but there's always those DBs from Clay that, like, I'd bring a friend in from Concordia or something to hang out. And they were always jerks <laughs> to my friends. It's like, come on. <laughs> Just the worst. Shout out to Clay Center. I know a couple uh, Clay Center guys. Rest in peace, Marsha Coster, by the way. I tweeted about that yesterday. She was a two-sport uh, two athlete at K-State, and uh, I didn't obviously know her as an athlete. I knew her as a teacher at Clay Center. Oh, wow. She taught special education at Clay Center. Her uh, son, Brett, was a teacher of mine. He's now He doesn't work at Clay Center anymore. I think he's in Chapman or something now. But shout out to Brett Coster. He was my... Uh, I think we called it multimedia class mm-hmm. where we made videos. Like I remember making uh, football highlight videos nice. in that class, and we would you know package them, sell them, or whatever to the, the football players or whatever. That was a really really fun class. So, uh, what was her name? Sorry, one more time. Uh, Marsha. Mar- shout out to her and all educators, but especially those who choose special education as their focus. You got to have a big heart to do that, and yeah. those people are. They, they are very special as well. The the educators, they are ju- uh, just few and far between, and, and you you got a big heart to do that, and uh, that's great. Yeah, Marsha. Unfortunately, I read about it a couple of days ago. She had passed away. Uh, very you know, mid. Um, I'm sorry, mid sixties. 
uh, but a, th- a, th- a two-sport athlete at K-State, a three-time All-American as a javelin thrower wow. in track and field. And when she left K-State, she was uh, pretty close to being a record. She's like the third all-time leading scorer at the time Ooh. when she left uh, K-State women's basketball. Crushing. Sage, let's just go ahead and roll into it. If you're ready, DJ, we can get to your uh, Ask Us Anything questions. Today's Ask a K-Rocker question was, uh, who do you think's overpaid? With all the talk about the baseball lockout and stuff, people are like, baseball players are overpaid. Uh, who do you think's overpaid? Boy, that is a that's a tough that's a question. Toughie. What are you gonna say, radio? DJ? I could give you a, I could give you many a, or who underpaid. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's an easy one. Oh, the easy one to me is Congress. Oh, oh that's a good yeah, one. Politicians. That's I mean that's the answer. <laughs> hey, I'm sorry, yeah, politicians. For sure. You're you way overpaid, man. Honestly, I'm surprised the president isn't paid more. Yeah, really. Like, I think presidents are honestly underpaid. The yeah. the old uh, Babe Ruth line yeah. when his contract grew to be bigger than that of Herbert Hoover at the time. Well, I had a better year than he did. <laughs> he was funny. Yes, he, he was. He was funny. Um, what's your golden rule? For me, it's oh, treat everybody like you'd like to be treated. I, I like to live sure. like that way. Yeah. Do you have a golden rule? I, man, these are real. I wish I had asked, I Wait wish a I second. asked for these this? ahead of time. How about this? What is the most addictive game that you've ever played? Whether it's video games, card games. Boy. You know, you know it was it a pool? You could not get me off... Of Grand Theft Auto, Ooh, yeah. Vice City, and San Andreas Ooh. as an act like a non video game. Like, I, I, I used to really be into poker. Like, every Wednesday, I'd go play poker up the hill. Yeah, and uh, I, I couldn't, like, I, I did it forever, and I haven't done it recently, but hmm. I, I was pretty hooked on that for a while. I'm still hooked on, and on, if you can believe this, the original Pac Man or Ms. Pac Man. Usually, if I find it. an arcade. Uh, dude, these guys. Yeah, if I find it, if I find a. Place that has it, pump a couple quarters like, in. I'm our, in, man. It's Let's these play. arcade kids, man. They they live and breathe. Sajay, do you have a game that you were uh, addicted to? Well, I still there's a newer game called Among Us. Oh, I love yeah, that game. That's I a great could play game. It all day. Sage is a gamer. She is a gamer, I am and a gamer. we're all sus. What? I got a question for Sage. I, I'm a gamer too. Like I, I'm not like crazy into gaming, but I wish I had the time to stream and all that. Yeah, try to make money that way. But like, what is the game you would just crush at? Like, I'm really good at Fall Guys. I've like I don't know Fall Guys. Uh, it's kind of like cartoony, uh, sort of not a battle royale, but it's like a race sort of game. Ah, so you cruise that? I'm really good at this game. It's called um, The Division. Oh I'm yeah, really good at The Division, dude. The I'm first or like, second one? Both, both. crushing. And Skyrim. I Honestly, Skyrim. like I kind of got bored with the Division games. Okay, well, that's it. We are done here forever. I, <laughs> I know, I, I know, I know, I know. But all the updates they come out with kind of get the game back going. Well, it, with the first one got pretty bad there for a while with, we're getting super in detail about video games, but I could talk video games because it's, I'm telling you guys, it's the, like, up-and-coming sport. Like, it's going to be gigantic if it's not already. It is like, already. Like, arenas, yeah. like... 20,000, not maybe that that big, but giant arenas are being made mm-hmm. specifically for gaming. Hey, man, let's go watch Mitch play The Division. Oh, he hates that game. Wow. I used to be huge into rank, Rainbow Six Siege. Remember that oh, one? I, love I played that, that one yeah. for years, and I got to Diamond Rank. Whoa. All right, that's going to do it for the game. Full two <laughs> hours uh, tomorrow. For Troy, DG, Sage, I'm Mitch. Goodbye. <laughs>